It's all about me. We're going to be selfish. This is one of these times that Pastor Kevin's going to say, it's okay to be selfish. Okay, now your selfishness is done. All right. Man, so it's, it's great. Again, uh, we're, we're about to launch into a new season here at our church. And I'm uh, very excited about that. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's exciting times. And, and, and I thought to myself, you know, I, I was involved in a, uh, a, a sermon series there called The Counselor. And it was going well. And I, I will pick that up at a later, later time. But this morning I thought it was appropriate that we kick off on a new season, a new series. And it's called Jesus and We. You know. Oftentimes in, in the world, especially the Western world that we live in, we, we, we are always understanding that Christianity is about a personal relationship, you know, uh, which is good because it is. But, uh, you know, we, we think, well, it's, it's all about Jesus and me. And, and that's good because, you know, it is about Jesus and you. But I believe that as we look at Scripture, and we will this morning, you're going to see that there's an argument that not only should we have a personal relationship with Jesus, but maybe even as more important or as equally important, we should have a relationship with Jesus as a whole, as us, as the corporate body, as a shared relationship, as the church. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at this and, and understand what it truly means to be Jesus and we. In fact, if I had to say, if, we, if there's a prayer that we as a church should begin to implement in our lives, it might go something like this. That I believe our prayer should be that God would build our faith or build your faith as God builds our faith. There's something powerful that happens when we can come together as a church. Not just as individuals, not just as my needs, or what I need from God spiritually. But I believe that powerful things happen when a body of believers come together and they begin to proclaim the word of God and they begin to, to, to associate themselves with other believers and saying, you know what, we will stand together, not apart, but we will become unified through the scriptures. Example, if you pray alone, you know that prayer alone can be very powerful. But when we begin to pray with others, something happens. When we begin to share that like faith, something takes place. You feel like that you're coming together with a body. You're coming together as a team. And that you're able to reach the heart of God. You know, the same kind of goes along with your worship. It's kind of funny sometimes. And, and I'm, a, I'm a very observant individual. And, and I even watch myself. But... It's funny because you can go down the road and have you ever watched somebody in their car do something really weird? Maybe pick a booger, you know, and have you ever seen something, you know, something like that, you know, and, and, and you're thinking to yourself, their, their, their tent's not that dark, you know, their, their tent is not, I see you, you know. But have you ever been in your car before and just worshiped? You know, with the music on and, and, and you just kind of get lost in that presence and it's powerful, isn't it? Sometimes you can have one of the most intimate moments with God. And you think no one else is looking, but you know what? Sometimes they are. And some of you are now like, well, now I'm doubting my worship when I get in my car. Now, I don't want you to do that because you're picking your boogers. You can at least worship God. All right? Think about that for a moment. That's kind of disgusting. That's just, 
I can't believe I said that. Anyway, so, but think about this for a second. When we come into the house of the Lord, and just like we did a few moments ago, and we come together in a spirit of worship, it's powerful. It's powerful. Because here's why. Sometimes you can come into the service, and you come into church, and you really just don't feel like being here. Sometimes you could come in here, and you've had a bad day already, and it's only like, you know, 1045, you know, and you're rolling up in the church and things didn't go well as you're getting the kids together. That's us every Sunday morning. All right. We're like pulling it. Lord, we need you. Okay. And, uh, you know, you're getting everything together and maybe it's just, maybe you didn't gel well with your, your spouse that morning. Maybe you got stuck on the causeway, somebody going like 20 mile an hour because they're a tourist and they're looking at a bird <laughs> that we see every single day. You know, for, for all you visitors, you don't understand that frustration sometimes, but we still love you. You know, and, and you come in, in the church or, or you know what, you, here, here's one. And, and sometimes people will go in, first thing they look, they look, they go online, they check out their bank account. Man, that could put you in a bad mood like that. And so you come in the house of God and you're frustrated already. You're, you're let down, you're mad and, and or you're, maybe something bad has happened in this past week. And you just, you know, you're like, God, where are you at? I'm just not feeling it right now. God, if you could do something, then I will do something. It's kind of like a give and take sometimes. We're like, God, let's make a deal, you know. And so sometimes we come in here and we're just not feeling it. We're not feeling the worship. We're not feeling like we want to do anything. We're not, I don't want to pray. I'm sitting here out of habit. I can't wait for football, you know, that type of deal. But you know what happens? That music kicks in, some worship happens, and sometimes here, here you are, the first song, you're like, I'm not doing it. I don't feel like it. I'm in a bad mood. I'm not doing it. And all of a sudden, the, the presence of God begins to fill because other people around you are doing it for you. And next thing you know, okay, God, all right, God, I understand. I'm feeling a little bit. All right, I'm going to sing a little bit. That third song kicks in, and you're like, you know what, God, I'm sorry. It's not about me no more. It's all about you, you know. Why? Because we come together in worship, and we get into praise. And when we can come together, things can happen. Mm. Our prayer should reflect this, that God would build your faith in our church, in your life. And quite honestly, if I could tell you this, some of you, this message today, what we're about to get into, I've been excited. Somebody asked me, because uh, I did a teaching on Wednesday night, when you need to come out to the Wednesday night Bible study, it's going to change your life. It's a great discipling time. But I was doing my teaching this Wednesday, and, and after service, someone had asked me, he said, are you ready for Sunday? I said, man, I can't wait. I'm so excited about Sunday. I'm nervous, don't get me wrong, but I'm excited because I know that God's doing things. But some of you this morning, you're sitting there. You're, you're sitting here, and, and, and the message that you're about to hear and the delivery that God's about to give into your life is going to impact you so much that you're going to look at it maybe several months from now, maybe even a couple years from now, and you're going to say, you know what? I can pinpoint the moment when God challenged my faith. What we're going to look at this morning is this. We are faith-filled, big thinking. We are going to become faith-filled, big thinking. We're never going to insult God with small thinking or safe living again. We're faith-filled big thinkers. We're going to allow God to move in the manner in which God wants to move. We're going to seek God for the impossible. 
We're going to begin to believe God for the miracles. We're going to begin to believe that the dreams and the visions that God has given those before us in the generations and the dreams and the visions that God has been giving you are going to come to pass. We're going to serve a God and we're going to begin to act like there is a God who can do all things exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can think. We will be faith-filled as a church in all that we do. I'm going to lay a quick foundation and we're going to look at two different stories this morning. And, and of course, they're going to revolve around Jesus. There's no better person to speak about than Jesus. There's two, two stories that we're going to look at, and they, they come from two different, total different spectrums. They're almost completely opposite. The first one is this. Jesus was in his hometown. He was teaching some people, and they, are, they were offended. You know, they were asking questions, I'm sure, like, who does this guy think he is? He's just the son of a carpenter. Let's take a look at uh, Mark chapter 6. Verses 5 through 6, and it says this. He, speaking of Jesus, could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on the few sick people and heal them. In verse 6, and he, he, speaking of Jesus, was amazed at what? At what? their lack of faith he was amazed at their lack of faith he was blown away he was stunned he was set back he could not believe of their lack of faith he could not believe in that moment that they did not believe who he was what marvels me about this little passage of scripture here is that you know here he is the scripture says he was able to heal a few of them right some of them but the others he wasn't able to do because they didn't believe. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this makes no sense to me. Because if I were one of those individuals who did not believe, but yet somebody beside me or across from me all of a sudden became healed, I think my belief would change. But the scripture doesn't say that. It goes on to say that he was amazed at their lack of faith. Then the second story we're going to take a look at this morning is we're going to look at in the Luke's Gospel. And it was about a centurion who the Jewish people would have surely hated because of all the horrible things that the centurions had done to them. But he had a sick servant. And so he sent someone to Jesus and said, come to him. And so Jesus comes to him. When he comes to him, all he says is, you know what? You don't have to even go see my servant. All you have to say, it'll be done and it's going to happen. And this isn't a follower of God. This is a man who only heard of the power that was manifested through him, but yet believed that Jesus could do what no one else believed that he could do. And the scripture says that he was amazed. So let's look at the scripture, verse 9. When Je Luke 7, verse 9. When Jesus heard this, he was what? He was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following and him he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Two different times Jesus is amazed here in these passages of scriptures. He was amazed at the lack of faith. 
And he was amazed at the great faith. But here's the question. As we launch into our new season as a church and as individuals, because I believe that you're also launching into, into a new season for you yourself, would Jesus be amazed at how big and audacious and how bold your faith is? Or would he be amazed at your lack of faith? Think about that for a second. Is Jesus amazed at how big your faith is? Or would he be amazed at your lack of faith? Be honest with yourself for a moment. If I'm asking you to rank your faith on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the greatest, where would it fall? Where would you be? I'm going to make it easy for you. Think about this past week. Have you relied on God to do something big? Have you relied on God to do something large? Have you, in your prayer time, said, God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm trusting in you. I need this to happen. If so, you would probably be on the higher spectrum of things. But think about it this way. If you did not, if you don't have the bold faith, if you've not gone to God thinking that he can do the impossible, if you've not taken your problems before the Lord, and let's face it, we all have issues and we all have problems. Each and every day we should be praying to God saying, Lord, this is where I need your direction. This is where I need your help. This is where I need your strength. But many times we rely on who? Ourselves instead of God. So in one manner, God can look at us and say, I'm amazed at your great faith. But on the other manner, he can look just as he did the Israel and say, wow, I'm amazed at your lack of faith. Think about your prayer life. You know, if we prayed something and God answered immediately, yes, 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 yes. How fantastic that would be. (laughs) What would be different in our world today if God answered every single prayer or or every need that we had? For some of you, there would be nothing different. For this reason is because you haven't given anything to God to answer. Would God be amazed at your great faith right now? Or would God be amazed at your lack of faith? Would he be blown away that you come into his house each week and, and you say you have a relationship with his son, but yet... You can't even seem to be able to take the smallest need before him. Why? I don't know. Sometimes it's because of our time. Other times it's because we're so distracted. Other times we, maybe we just don't believe. As a church, I believe that God is calling us this, to be faith-filled and to be thinking. If we as the body become faith-filled and big thinking, it rolls downhill to you. You will be faith-filled and big thinking. But here's what is interesting. It starts with you first. Before it can ever come to us, it starts with you first. We need to begin to retrain our minds and our spirits. The way that we're praying before the Lord. We need to come to God boldly. And believing that God can do the impossible. Instead of saying he can do it or agreeing with people We need to begin to act in it and say, God, this is where I need you the most. This is where I need you to move. Sharing that faith. The first thing that we're going to look at this morning, the first point is this. And if you can look in your bulletins, there's a uh, sermon outline there. 
Fill in the blank. Makes you think. <clears throat> makes you pay attention too. Number one, if you're taking notes, this is it. You cannot play it safe and please God. You cannot play it safe and please God. Uh, Hebrews, the great faith book, says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without what? Faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please who? God. In other words, you can do everything within your own power, and you never need the power of God, then you're living without faith. And if you're living without faith, the scripture clearly tells us, real simple, it's impossible to please God. The challenge, I think, for most of us is that we think that if an individual has great faith, it's almost as if they're a superhero. We can, we, we, we look at, uh, you know, throughout uh, generations past, and we can pull out different individuals who have great faith. Smith Wigglesworth, a great man of faith. And, and there's so many others down the line. We, we see the scriptures uh, in the Bible of all these individuals who were great men and women of faith. But sometimes, you know what? Faith is messy. Sometimes having great faith is not easy. Sometimes it's challenging. If it weren't, then we would all have great faith. Think about this first. I've said this story before, and I'm going to say it again this morning. But back in college, I was part of a fraternity. And um, the, last, the very last thing that we had to do in our fraternity was... Uh, like 3 o'clock in the morning, they'd wake you up, and they'd take you outside and make you do all kinds of sh- stupid stuff. But we had to get on this building. And we looked up at the, on the building, and they said, here's what you got to do. You got to climb up there for all the, the new, new guys, and you have to fall backwards and believe that we're going to catch you. Jeez, that's just stupid all on your forehead, you know? You know I, yes, that was me. And, uh, you know, I remember I was like, you're looking up, and it's not, it didn't look that high. You know, you're like, that's nothing. You get up there, and then you look down, and you're like, oh, oh. And I, I, can, I can see it so vividly in my mind. And I remember going up there, and I was like, I'm going first. I'm getting this thing out of the way now. I don't want to see anyone else because I'm not going to believe. You know, I'm going up there. And I remember, and while I'm dropping, before they ever caught me, Every fear, everything's running through your head. And you're like, oh, my gosh, they better catch me. If they don't catch, well, I'm dead anyway, so it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And everything's going through. And, you know, sometimes that's kind of like faith, to have great faith. You see, I could see them, and they were all down there to catch me. I can't see God physically sometimes. I see him in you. I see him all around. I don't, sometimes, though, I don't, I want to see his hands. I want to make sure, God, you got this. God, I need to make sure that you are going to catch me. And so sometimes having that faith, it's not easy. It's kind of like, you know what? I believe, God, you're calling me to do this. Here I go. Oh, God, I hope it's you. Oh, Lord, the first stumbling block happens, and we're grabbing, we're looking, we're searching for anything to catch us. One of the greatest examples in the Bible is Peter. See, all the disciples were out on the boat, and Jesus walks on the water, and he's like, hey, does anybody want to come out here and hang out with me? It's just kind of how I picture it. Probably more, a little bit more, you know, 
different than that, but. So Peter is this crazy guy, he gets out of the boat, starts walking on the water. Everyone criticizes Peter, why? Because he sank. But we forget about the other 11 guys who had no faith and never stepped out to start with. Peter did not sink because he had faith. Peter stepped out and he began to walk on it. Peter sank because he feared failure. I don't know who's going or who this message will speak to this morning, but some of you, you're playing it safe right now in life. Some of you, there's been an ambition, there's been a drive, there's been something that's trying to push you to go harder, to go further, to do something maybe that's not common, and you've been sitting back. I would even argue that you're not failing because in order to fail, you have to at least step out. But you've been scared and you've allowed fear to overcome you. My question is this. Would God be amazed at your great faith? Or would he be amazed right now at your lack of faith? You cannot play it safe and please God. Number two, I love this one. And almost messed up and and said it earlier. As long as you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. Think about that for a minute. If if God's going to help me, then I'll do it. (laughs) Have you ever heard that before? You know, if if I know that, if if I already know the answer, then then, then I'm going to step out and do it. You see, Hebrews 11 and 1 says this. Faith is what? It is a confidence that we, what we hope for, hope is a feeling here, that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us an insurance about things that we cannot see. I hope this is God. I hope this works. The problem for many of us is, is we want the guarantee. We want to know that what we're giving to God is going to happen. I need a guarantee. Listen, you can have faith, Or you can have control. But you can't have both. Listen to me. You can have faith. And you can have control. But you can't have both. This week I've I've had many people come up to me and they ask me. Pastor Kevin. How do you feel? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm feeling all right. Now, how do you feel about your new role? I'm excited. I'm thrilled. I'm also nervous. I'm nervous because I don't want to listen to the voices around me that might say, you know what? You can't do that. People are never going to buy into that. I don't want to listen to the, to, to, to the words of, of individuals that that will never work. That'll never fly. See, I believe that our God is a God who works through people. I don't believe I'm going to be bold. I'm talking about faith. I need to be an example before you this morning for this church. I'm going to step out and say, God, I believe that this church will be debt free in five years. I believe that. 
I believe that God can do that for this church. And when I think about that, I think of the ministry opportunities that we can do to help our community and surrounding areas and other parts of this world. Because the commission wasn't a simple commission, but what was it for that Jesus gave? It was a great commission. You see, I believe, and I'm stepping out in faith, that many of you who are sitting here, that God is going to begin to dwell inside of your spirit so strong that those visions, those talents, and those abilities are going to become so stirred that you're not going to be able to deny what he wants you to do any longer. I believe that there's going to come a day when you're going to come in here on a Sunday morning and we're going to be so full of people, not because I'm centered on numbers, but because I'm centered on souls, that Christ is going to bring the individuals into this room and we're going to see a mighty harvest for the kingdom of God. That's what I believe. And I'm stepping out in faith this morning and I'm believing that God is going to do just that. You see, we are not waiting on a move of God. We are the move of God. We're gonna move from death into life. We're gonna move from darkness into light. We're going to move away from dread and we're going to have expectation. We're going to move from mourning to dancing. We're going to move from shame to grace. We're going to move from fear to faith. Sometimes you have to take some faith risks. I cannot play it safe and please God. You can have control and you can have faith. But you cannot have both. Number three leads me to this. To step towards your destiny, you have to step away from your security. It's exactly what Abraham done. We're going to look at it, that perspective from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says, by faith, Abraham. I'm going to stop right there. By faith. He was moving into a new, a new land, a, a land that he wasn't familiar with. God was moving him. But what did he do? He did it by faith. He didn't do it from a guarantee. He did it by faith. He believed that God was doing something great. See, we have to keep our eyes focused on God. Our faith needs to be focused on God. We can't walk by sight. We can't walk by feeling. We can't walk by the doubt that we might hear from others. We can't look at the impossibility, but rather we must look at the possibility. But with great faith, we understand that God is pleased. Would our God be amazed at your great faith right now? Think about that. What is it that you need God to do? What is it that you want God to do? There's many dreams and expectations in this room of what you wanted God to do and move in your life, but you've been let down. Not let down by God, but rather let down by yourself and others around you. Oftentimes our prayer is, well, I'll go to God now with it and pray. 
Maybe we need to, as I said several weeks ago, let's go to God first and let's pray about it. You see, there's some of you in here who God's going to use you, as I I spoke about this past Wednesday. God's going to use you to minister to those that you're closest with. Every one of you in this room is an influence. You influence people every day whether you see it or not. Your kids are looking at you. Your coworkers are looking at you. Your circle of friends is looking at you. People are inspired by you or they're discouraged by you. See, some of you right now, you may, you may, you know what? You might start a life group one day. You, or you might join a life group one day. And, and, and at first you're like, you know, I can't be a part of that. I don't have time for that. I can't get involved in that. It's going to take up too much time. But then you're going to step out and you're going to be like, all right, God, let's do this. Let's grow. I need to grow. I want more of you. And you're going to get in it and then several months later you're going to look down the road and you cannot any longer see your life not in a life group. Some of you, God's going to call you to uh, His Way student ministry to help and work. You know, there's kids in there that are awesome. They're fantastic. They're smart. They're looking for God. But there's also those in there that are hurting. They're from broken homes. And they're needing influencers. They're needing individuals to look up as mentors. And you know what? Maybe God will call you to go back there and help Brad and Bree Stewart out one day and you'll go back there and, and you'll participate with them and next thing you know, you're caught up in it and several months down the road, you couldn't see your life not helping out in that ministry. Some of you in this room, you've been battling with the, with the tithe thing in your mind, spiritually. I, how do I know? Because some of you actually told me. And you think to yourself, I can't survive on 100% right now of my income. How in the world can I ever su- survive on 90%? Of my income. I promise you this God will stretch that 90 far further than you could ever stretch that 100. Some of you this morning, you've been toying with the opportunity of starting a business. You felt the urge inside of you. You've, God's given you a dream, God's kind of given you a vision, but you've lacked stepping out in faith in Him. Why do you want to limit the passion that God has given you? Do not limit it, but step out in it and say, God, let's do this and let's do it together. And then later on down the road, you're going to think, how could I never have not stepped out? See, some of you in here, God might be calling you to to work in our puddle jumpers room with our little two-year-olds. They're crazy monsters. (laughs) I know. They They will send you somewhere. And you think to yourself, I don't have the patience for it. I've already raised all my kids or, or I don't, I've never even raised kids. I don't even know how to do it. And, but God's calling you because Andrea has to come out here and hang out with me now. So we need your help. There's a ministry there. Some of you, God has stirred a ministry up in your heart. But you're thinking to yourself, that's not possible. God would never use me. Does he not know my past? Hello. I'm standing here, aren't I? God's been calling a lot of you for different things. He's placed a dream in your heart and a passion in your soul. And sometimes you walk around and you think to yourself, you know what, I'm coming to church and I'm, I'm living for God, but I'm just not, I just don't feel complete. And you know what, we want to blame the pastor because he's not given the right word. 
Maybe it's because you're not involved like you should be. Maybe because you're not fulfilling what God has given a passion to you about. Don't put it in my blame. No, no. I'm giving you the word. Listen. As you grow in your faith, we also grow in our faith. All of a sudden, we, will, we as a church will grow. We will gather together faithfully. And we'll begin to touch God. Hmm. This winter, I, I've been so excited about doing this. You just don't know. And nobody knows what I'm about to say. Some of you, are, the council's going, oh gosh. What's he about to get into? This winter, we're going to do a corporate fast as a church. Because I believe we're going to demonstrate faith to God. Because when you take away from your physical nutrition, for some reason, it causes you to grow closer to God. And we will grow closer to God as individuals and as a faith-filled body. And I believe that God's going to do some great things. I really do. Listen to me. We're not going to sit back. We're going to think big. You need to hear this. We're going to be big thinking. Our God did not give us a small commission, but he gave us a great commission that everyone would know him, that the gospel would be preached around the world. So what are we? We as the Shinkatig Church of God. We as individuals in this room are going to become faith-filled. We're going to become big thinking. We will never any longer insult God with small thinking or safe living. Will you stand with me this morning? This week, as I was preparing this message and spending time in prayer, my prayer was, God, lead this church. All through ministry school, Bible college, everything that I had gone through, being a youth pastor, I never imagined that one day I would actually be a pastor of a church. So when I was asked, how do you feel about this? I'm excited. I'm thrilled and I'm nervous because I want to be obedient to God. I don't want to lead this church. I want God to lead this church. God has to be the lead. For some reason, he just chose me to be the instrument and the tool. I'm asking you, I'm telling you that this morning because some of you have been trying to lead your life, and you can't do it. You cannot lead your life. You cannot make your decisions. You need to let God lead it. And you need to hear from Him. You see, some of you in this room, God is stirring something. He's been doing it for some time. I don't know because you've not come to me with it. But I know the vision of this church. I know where God wants to take us. 
And listen, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this with the few volunteers that we have that are helping and participating. God gave us a great commission and we must move forward in it. We can no longer sit back and watch everyone else and say, well, they'll take care of it. We must begin to say, God, how do you want me to be used? What do you want me to do? God, lead me. Some of you in here, you, you know, you, you've, you've got medical issues. And maybe there's doubt in your mind and, and you haven't even really prayed about it. Or if you did pray about it, it was so lackluster that it didn't get from here to that wall. Because you're praying with doubt. Well, maybe God, you could do this. So could you help me out in this area? I believe it's time that we come before boldly before God. With an expectation, God, you will and you can do this. Some of you have given all hope on your spouse. Some of you in here have given all up, given up all hope on your marriage that you're in. God is saying, no. I'm going to help in this relationship. Don't leave me out. Some of you, God has stirred up abilities and giftings and talents to be used not only for to grow his kingdom, but to help your family. I want to see you do well in life. I want to see God's people flourish. I'm tired of seeing the world flourish. I want to see the children of God flourish. And I believe that can happen with these individuals in this room. But you must change your mindset. Don't live defeated. Don't live discouraged. I heard, um, I heard someone say the other day, you know, life's always greener on the other side. And someone said, no, life's only greener when it's over a septic tank. Thought that was kind of funny. Your life is not a septic tank. God has not given up on you. Regardless of the bad decisions you have made, he still looks to prosper you. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel, but I'm telling you as a child of God, you have a large inheritance and God is on your side. And I believe that God wants to move in every life. So I'm gonna ask this question. If God were to look at you, would he say great faith? Or would he look at you and be amazed at your lack of faith? that reflects on this past week. What have you prayed about? What have you been taking to God? Father, we love you. And I thank you for this day. And Lord, as individuals in this room, Father, we all have issues and circumstances and things, God, that we need to take before you. And many of those things, Lord, that we don't even speak out of our mouth to you because we have a lack of faith. We're like those people, Lord, with Christ, with, he was doing miracles and they still lack in faith. But God, I want this room to be full of them centurions. His great faith. So God, today, open our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we will understand and know, God, that you can move mountains. That you can take the impossible and make it possible. You can look at the largest storm in our lives, God, and you can move it away. Father, that you can bring comfort to the hurting. Love, 
to the discouraged. That you can lead us. God, that you can guide us. Thank you, Father. So my question this morning is this, again. Is God amazed at your great faith? Or is God amazed at your lack of faith? If you need something for God to do in your life, something that maybe you've been praying about, or maybe it's even something that you've not even brought before God, I'm challenging you right now, and I'm inviting you to come forward to this altar. And we're going to pray together as a body. And we're going to believe, remember, because there's power in prayer. And we're going to believe that God is going to move the mountain, that God can do the miraculous that God is going to bring love back into the marriage, that God is going to help you in your job, that God is going to flourish your business, that God is going to do the impossible. Why? Because he is God and he owns all things. And what? He loves you. So, if you believe that this morning and you want God to do this, I'm asking you right now to begin to step out from where you're at.